Good evening and you're very welcome to another episode of the Women's National League podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie. Of course, I'm Rafi Early and I'm also joined again by Aaron Clark. Aaron, how are you? Not too bad. How are you? Not too bad at all. We're recording this a little bit earlier. It's mid-afternoon and we're recording it because, of course, this evening sees the first build-up game to the Irish participation in the World Cup. They're playing Zambia tonight in uh, Tala Stadium. You're on your way there, so we are filming this a little bit earlier. It's all pre-recorded. It'll go out just before the game, but it's uh, an interesting time ahead. We don't really know what to expect from Zambia, but I suppose it's uh, a good opportunity to get a look at the girls in green ahead of that World Cup opener in just a few short weeks. Yeah, Zambia will be fast and physical. Four weeks today until the opening game in, in Sydney against Australia. So it's it's a good opportunity. Um, African teams in, in the group as well sort of give Ireland an opportunity to play an African side. Never played at senior level. I think they'll be fast, they'll be physical. It'll be an interesting evening. There's a lot of variables on the line tonight for a lot of players. A lot of players are probably on the fringes of getting cut or making the squad and a lot of them will probably get an opportunity this evening to impress and, and if they take their chance they may give Vera some more selection headaches ahead of that deadline, ahead of that Ireland's announcement next Thursday when the, with the squad being announced. So, big opportunity. The likes of Leanne Kiernan hasn't played a lot of football in the year. Should get a run out tonight from a, from a home base point of view. I'd say Abby Larkin and Aaron McLaughlin could, we could, could see action I think for the two of them. It's an opportunity because I, I'd say for, for them, they'll be teetering in around will they make it, won't they make it. I do think I do think Anya will be Anya will be safe enough, and Taro Hanlon as well as another one who might see a bit of game time where they have an opportunity to impress. And like for Vera, it's 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 that one last opportunity, one last time before she names the squad, which is quite strange because normally we're used to Ireland players coming into squad and having a game that week. They did no game last week; they just trained for the week, and it's a bit of a different one. Tension, you could say, there's definitely probably a little bit of a little bit of tension as much as they say they won't in the air because of the fact that cuts have to be made, but. Looking forward to a sold out, sold out stadium and Tallow Stadium tonight as well. Are those the players you think are in jeopardy in the next seven or eight days? I don't know who's in jeopardy at the minute. That's the thing. I think for these sort of players, this is the opportunity if they get an if they do and they, they sell themselves tonight to actually book a seat on a plane. The problem is, is this, the likes of Megan Campbell hasn't yet reported into the squad. Eva Mannion's still in that knee brace. She comes out of a Monday, so we're still waiting to hear what's going to happen there. Like there's other players who are who are how would you say being managing their loads as well. The likes of Rusha Little John has had a lot of injuries in the last number in the last year or so. Other players coming back from injury. Nifa he hasn't played an awful lot to football in the last while. So there's a lot of players who I'd say aren't safe. I'd say there's a good 12, 13 who probably probably know that they've got the seat on the plane barring injury. Where the rest it's sort of up in the air at the minute. Katie McCabe more than likely won't feature in the game. She only came into squad squad this week because of the agreement with Arsenal that she wouldn't be released sooner. So I don't expect her to play. I think it's the first time in about 40 or 50 Ireland games she'll miss she'll miss a game as well, which is a tremendous record. Denise O'Sullivan, Sinead Farley and Marissa Shevers don't report into camp until next week for the fact that they're reporting in next week when the squad gets announced, you, you'd suspect that the three of them are probably nailed on as well. So it's, it's one of them that you're hoping tonight no injuries come out of it. That it's it's just a it's just an opportunity for players to to show and hopefully stand up and be counted. But no no niggles or knocks that really throws things into jeopardy. Yeah, that's really the big fear for tonight. That players picking up injuries at this time of year with so little gap between now and the squad being selected, and more importantly, but now in the first game, um, it really is important that players stay healthy. But of course. Uh, sometimes trying to avoid those injuries make you more prone to them. So hopefully all things go well for everybody in a green jersey tonight. Uh, of course, that game, sellout crowd, it's going to be a big atmosphere. The, the summer anticipation building towards that 
a World Cup appearance. And it really is, it's got maybe not quite shades of 1990, but definitely elements of that kind of anticipation of 1990. And I know you're around long enough to see it. I'm barely old enough to see it myself. I wasn't even born for 1990. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Just that. You've got things like that. The FAI, the book that they brought out for kids and stuff like that. They're doing an awful lot to try and, how would you say, to push it along. And I think the next couple of weeks, like they're trying to encourage clubs and things like that to set up watch parties and stuff like that by giving them banners and stuff like that. So they're really trying to push it on. I don't know how it's going to be received. You're, hope, you're obviously hoping it's going to be received very well. The fact that the games are on. To two of the games are on at 11 o'clock in the morning and one of them's on at one o'clock in the afternoon. A lot of kids are off school as well. You'd be hoping that they'll sit, they'll watch them and stuff like that. And it's 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 building nicely, but it's it's taking a little bit of time to start building. I think I think at the start it probably hadn't built as quick as people were anticipating. The buzz probably wasn't as big, but it's starting to get there now. As you say, Tala be we'll be rocking tonight. I think it's seven and a half, it's a seven and a half, eight thousand sold out and like People probably still want tickets if they could have got them. And I know there was a couple floating about today and people, they were snapped up quick enough. But yeah, it's it's one it's 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 one that I'm looking forward to. I'm excited now. I'm just, the, the build-up obviously for us started last week when we, when we went to the open training session with we met, met, spoke to some of the players. And then this week, then next week, squad announcement, France game. Then we're really rolling into the World Cup. So it's it's coming quickly and it's coming, it's, it'll, be, it'll be here in no time. Absolutely. Well, plenty to look forward to over the coming weeks and months on the senior stage. But of course, our attention this week is focusing on the island of Ireland and specifically the entire island of Ireland. For the first time in a women's uh, entity, a women's competition, we had teams from both sides of the border partaking in the Avenir Sports All-Ireland Cup. A fairly exciting goal-laden opening weekend. Plenty of goals up and down the country. Only one clean sheet amongst all eight fixtures. So, um, lots of action, but uh, lots of chances for players to get on and get some game time, maybe with with their teams as well. But maybe not as many changed sides as we might have expected to see. Some teams very very strong first teams, but twenty six goals scored in, in, in them eight games as well. Um, some absolute downpours, and so I don't know if you've seen any of the Shelburne and Athlone game had to be postponed because of the weather. Like you, you're looking and you're thinking. I'm glad it wasn't there. You're looking at that, it's sort of the, the rain was was massive deluge. And then like the likes of Crusaders and Tree and Treaty of Five Goal Trailer, but like then you then you turn around to the likes of Galway and see more nearly. I probably thinking oh, I probably expected a few more goals in that game. But it was I think it, the first week, the good thing about the the, the the thing is there was yes, there was some changes in some clubs, but the fact that there was a lot of competitive games, I think that's probably what a bit of a fear was that some clubs maybe wouldn't take it as serious as, as they could. I, I've I know from a from a Bowls point of view, I'd say they're extremely disappointed with the fact that you can see the penalty last play of the game to, to not have a clean sheet. But as you say, only one clean sheet in the in the weekend is it's something we're not really used to. We're normally used to seeing a couple in that in the in the women's Premier Division each week. We talk about the competitive nature of games, only two games separated by more than one, a single goal. Um so and, and even then it was four one shells at loan last year's cup finalists and and Bowles is liable three one. So no, no washouts at all for anybody apart from maybe the weather. Yeah, no, and that's 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 the because I think we sort of had that little bit of a fear that, like, if this competition had been played two or three years ago, I probably would have said that the Irish teams would come away comfortably because I remember seeing preseason friendlies where some of the Irish teams, some of the really weaker Irish teams, but years ago, were beating teams from up the north and beating them quite easy enough. Whereas now. The competitiveness has definitely gone up massively with with the North qualifying for the Euros as well as has has definitely had a, a good impact on them and 
Like it's good to see that the looks like Glen Thorne result. Wexford had to score a late penalty. Then you're you're looking at Cliftonville scoring the late winner against Sion when we looked as though that was going to be that was going to be a, a draw. And then that, that really sets up the, the game that they they have this weekend. And I think a lot of the results probably set it up and put it into the fact that like we talked a lot about Cork would Cork get a result again get a result against the Lawrence. It's probably put them in a good position for their next game against their game against Treaty this weekend. And like there's a lot a lot of teams have a lot to play for in this competition. Yes, it's a new competition, but some teams are looking to gain a little bit of form. Some teams are trying out some of the younger players. Like you look at Shamrock Rovers and and Piemount, a couple of youngsters made debuts and, and made first starts and I think that's important as well. While other clubs probably went a little bit stronger, probably did probably want to win the silverware. And the good thing is, I think every club has respected the competition, and that was probably what we had a little bit of fear of. Would they not? I think that with the, the strength that they went, that most clubs, that it's fair to say, they, they really give the competition the respect. Yeah, let's take a quick look at the uh, the group tables. We might go through them group by group there, if I can just uh, make that a little bit larger on screen. So if it's our group, uh, well, it's our group A, maybe well and see. I've jumped ahead. Shells, uh, Galway, Linfield, Athlone wins for Shells, as you mentioned, 4-1 against Athlone. And Galway United, Linfield, 1-0 there. I think, for me, that's probably the best result of the weekend for a team because I think of... We look at Galway, yes, they've had a reasonably good season, but they are a brand-new outfit. Um, to go up to Linfield, a, a club that have that kind of tradition, both in the male and female game, uh, to, to come away with a 1-0 win is is impressive. Yeah, it's a good, it's a really good result for 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 Galway. I think I think for the fact that like you're going up there, you're playing on an astro pitch as well. It can be it can be a little bit difficult and come away with the three points. You can you can only be really happy from a Phil Trill point of view. Like for the, for them, this is a this is a massive opportunity from a Galway. Yes, they've got shells in the group. They've beaten shells this season. If shells are missing any players when they do play them later in the competition, it's a potential opportunity. But like if they can get through. The next game, like if you just look at this group in particular, like if 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 as expected this weekend, Shells and Galway both win, they go into the last round, the last game where they play each other, and it's winners going to go through, and that's sort of what we want in this group. We don't really want groups where there's one team that we know for definite is going to come out. But I think the the Lingfield coming to Dublin this weekend, how did, how how do they react after the first loss, like? We've seen them in, in previous years and they've met in the Champions League shells and Linfield shells ran out comfortable enough winners. Will Linfield come out with a full strength team and, and try to put it up the shells? Like the obvious thing that the obvious thing from a Shelburne point of view is it's it's the it's the going away party for Jesse Stapleton. So will Shells won't want that to be spoiled? What way will Linfield Linfield approach that? Because if if, if Linfield come out all guns blazing, I think they'll give Shells a good game. And likewise the the Galway at long game, they've always been tended to be close between these two sides. So like it's it's great that it's the first round of games that like the only thing I, I think we're missing is a couple of draws from these groups that we thought we might have got from one or two games. But no, it's a, a good start for Shells and Galway. Uh, we talked a bit about Athlone as well because obviously big news out of there last night is the departure of uh, a manager of the year last year, Tommy Hewitt, who's uh, moved on from the club. We hope to have Tommy on the show next week um, to chat about kind of his departure and, and what next for him and for, I suppose what next for the club as well be part of that discussion but uh, they face uh, a Galway United side now that are brimming with confidence yeah absolutely and it's it's a difficult one from Athlone because you, you would have looked at the, the Shells result the Shells game thinking it's an opportunity for them Shells played a couple of play, a couple of fringe players as well in the game to give players game time and when they're 2-0 down very early on, early on against against Shells you're sort of thinking oh no and even when, when you come back after the rain delay they sort of struggled a lot in the, in the, lot in the game and like I think from an athlone point of view, players are probably yeah, I'd say there's a bit of comp the bit of confidence is a little bit down at the minute. 
now when you see the news of Tommy Tommy leaving, it's always sad because Tommy's Tommy's done an awful lot for Atlone. He's he's put he's helped bring that club on an awful lot. Like you look at you look at what he actually did last year, considering where they were the year before. Like it was it, it was astronomical and probably won't be as repeated. The fact that they'd they'd got went on runs. I think they went on six wins in a row at one stage after Why beating P, after beating P and then he went six unbeaten again. With, I think it was four wins in the towards the end of the season and probably just ran out of games late on towards a, a title challenge. And then in the cup final, if they get the goal that's offside, it could be a different game in the second half and probably a little bit of rubber of luck didn't go, go their way. But like to see him, to see him leaving, it's this, it's disappointing. It's the third manager who's departed in, in, in the league this, in the league this year. But I think I hate to say this, we could see a, a little bit more of this as, as the years go on, but more and more managers were started becoming a little bit like the, the men's divisions where, Managers will tend to get replaced if things aren't if things aren't going their way. And I'd like to see a little bit more, hear a little bit more from Tommy because, like I've always had a lot of good time from you. For you, he's he's helped, he's helped you and gave you interviews. And listen, he's a he's a, he was somebody who had a, a lot of passion for Athlone. He he gelled a lot of players who probably shouldn't be playing. Who probably not don't, shouldn't be playing a lot of players who probably wouldn't be playing in the league if it wasn't for Tommy. Considering getting players who have multi of multi sports in as well and. And having a lot of success with them as well, I think that's probably the biggest credit you got to give to Tommy. Is he a victim of his own success potentially? Probably, probably, probably a little bit, yeah. But the thing is, though, like it's 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 a difficult one because, like, a lot of it, he brought he managed to get some good players in as well. So that's where you sort of. But then again, what expectations did Atlone set this year in terms of the club itself? That'd be that'd be my question as to what actual expectations had they got on. Did they expect just because they where they finished last year that they were gonna win the league all of a sudden? Whereas I think Tommy's more of a real more of a realist than than that. And I think, you know, and I think until we until we until someone speaks tomorrow, does some interviews, we won't really know what's probably gone on there or what or what's happened there. But it's a it's a sad it's a sad one for for, for the girls especially. Let's move on to Group B uh, for the moment. Uh, looking at, if I just zoom out a little bit there, and uh, we'll get the teams there. Having our Sports Cup around, or Group B, Shamrock Rovers, Glentorn, uh, Wexford Utes, and Piedmont United in that group. Uh, Shamrock Rovers made up for that league defeat to Piedmont the week before with a 2-1 victory. Um, Glentorn with that draw against Wexford Utes. Uh, themselves, of course, um, Lost their manager recently as well, and Stephen Quinn. So, um, your thoughts on that result? Potentially, maybe starting with the Glentoran Wexford game. Wexford having to fight back as well, and, and a penalty to get them to get them a draw. Probably one of the one of the games that we sort of talked about last week. We didn't really know an awful lot about where Glentoran were compared to the Irish teams. Yes, they've been doing very well up up in up in their own league with the goals it scored, but like. For them, considering it was seventy odd minutes when they, when Wexford got the penalty, they'd probably be disappointed not to take the three points from Wexford. Or extra viewpoint, it's probably a good point away from home. It's probably a it's a, it's an okayish start. You can see that some of the players who probably hadn't played in a couple of weeks have, have come back into the side as well from a Wexford viewpoint. But I think from from Glentoran, it's probably it's definitely probably two points two points dropped. Looking at the other game, Shamrock Rovers, they, they made a couple of changes as did Piedmont and. It was just it was just uh, Rovers too good on on the day. I think from a Piedmont viewpoint, I don't think they'd be too disappointed. I think the fact that they they'd be a massive focus for them is on the on the league. But then again, although Rovers won their first game, this is the sort of group that just because you've got three points on the board early on doesn't really mean anything. I think Shamrock Rovers and Wexford this week will sort of tell an awful lot into, into how into how this group is going to shape out because I think the, the, the four teams here in this group are capable of beating each other on their day, and I think that's the the biggest 
you've actually preempted what I was going to ask you next because I think it's lovely to see in the women's game so long ago, I remember being involved with teams where you could predict after a round or two, you could predict exactly where everyone was going to finish. And it was always, say there was, uh, I know, eight teams in a group back in the old DWSL days. You knew one team was going to finish with 14 wins, one was 12 wins, one was 10 wins. There was no uncertainty going into 99% of games. Now we're looking at Shamrock Rovers losing last week to Piedmont, uh, winning against the same opposition this week, albeit in different competitions with different focuses, but the, the principle stands. Each of these teams can take points off each other. Um, it may not even be Shamrock Rovers or Glen Torn who actually go in as the group winners in this competition in the end. It may not. It may not be. That's the thing. Piedmont could win the last two games and potentially finish top of the group with result, other results going their way. Like that's the sort of that's the way it is, and and that's the thing about this group where we always said, yeah, it's the group of death because everybody can beat everybody. And realistically, I wouldn't be at all surprised if maybe six points was enough to get you over the line in this group. Even if it's five, even if it's five points, I wouldn't be surprised if if you, if you turn around and see Shamrock Rovers drawn. Drawing a game or two, drawing a game or two, P Mount drawing like you wouldn't be at all surprised if if the rest of the games in this result in this group were either draws or, or there will only be probably a goal in it. There won't be very much in it between the sides. I don't know if you've seen it, Brefney, just while we're talking Shamrock Rovers. Um Sky Sports done a bit of a feature on them there recently where they were over for the Cork City game. They were in behind. It was Collie O'Neill giving a bit of a team talk just before the game and stuff like that. It's great to see when you have the likes of a big broadcaster coming over to, to the league now because years ago, nobody wanted to know the, the, women's league, the Women's National League and stuff like that. And I think it, it's great to see it getting more and more exposure Hopefully, more and more continue to come on board. But like, it's it's good for the for the league that we're we're seeing more of these sort of things. And like, while we're still the only two who are regularly going on about the on the league in terms of the, the stuff that we're doing, it's good to see more and more people dip dipping the fingers in. Hopefully, they'll come in a little bit more and, and do an awful lot more to continue to help grow the league. The focus and investment in Shamrock Rovers, particularly in the last six months, uh, are they under pressure to win Silverware this year? And is this their best opportunity to do so? So I know a couple of Rovers fans. I know one in particular, a diehard Rovers fan. And start of the season, it was it was, it was like we finished in the top three. Our, our ambition isn't if we win the league, it's great, but it's not necessarily. I think I think the fact that the fans as well are getting behind there, they they realise it's a project. Yes, they put a, a quite a big investment investment into it, but like. I'd say from a, a Collie O'Neill viewpoint, he's probably putting more pressure on himself to win the league than at the club at the minute. I'd say next year, probably the pressure will ramp up a little, a, a good bit more on Shamrock Rovers. But I think this year, if they were to finish second and have a decent cup run and maybe get to a, a final of this or a semi-final of this, I think they'd class that as a as a really good season because they were unbeaten up until up until the last league game against Piedmont. Listen, I'm going to hold my hands up. From a from a from a neutral's viewpoint, I'm just glad I'm just glad it's over because the unbeaten run because we were hearing about it every week and teams are sort of talking about it and stuff like that. And like the thing is, there's a bit of an aura about some teams, but the aura that was there a couple of years ago when you would have had the likes of P Mount and Shells going to clubs is gone. So the best thing is, as you said, teams don't fear each other anymore and they'll go out and give it a good a good opportunity. And I think that's the most important thing. And I think from a, a Rovers viewpoint, if Rovers can finish Second, I think it'd be a great, they'd be absolutely thrilled. Yeah, good to see. Uh, Bowes top of the table, a big win for them down in Sligo. We'll talk about that performance in just a few minutes. But let's start uh, with Cliftonville's win over Science Swift in the north. Uh, two teams that we arguably don't didn't know a whole pile about coming into the weekend, but another good competitive fixture. One goal shaded for the Belfast side in the end. 
I'm not going to lie, based on looking at league tables and stuff like that, I probably expected it to be a little bit more comfortable for Clifton Bill. And to be honest with you, it, that just shows, it's, I don't know, it's a bit of air, air negligence in, in my, my negligence in terms of the knowledge that I'd have of, of that sort of league, because I know Siam were up there and thereabouts a couple of years ago. But it's a good, it's a good result for Clifton Bill. I think it's a win. That's the most important thing for them. They... You know, the wins in this competition, you, you won't care if it comes 2 0, 1 0, 6 0. A win's a win. And like, even for the likes of Bowles, I'd say if you'd offer Bowles to start a weekend, a 1 0 win away, away to Slugger, they'd have said, Yeah, no problem. The fact they scored three, I think they'd have been just disappointed wow. they conceded that late goal. I think that's the only real bitter disappointment thing for them. Did they score three or did they really only score one though? Because Sligo uh, had their part to play in the first two. Did you see the goals from the Sligo uh, set up? Uh, very unfortunate. Um, funny. If you're not involved, looking at them just in terms of the calamitousness of the of the first goal in particular, it was uh, I can't remember who it was exactly broke down the, the left wing, cut in, had a shot, really good effort, came off the foot of the post, came back, hit the head of the goalkeeper Bonnie McKiernan, bounced back across the line, half scrambled clear uh, by a couple of defenders, including maybe McKiernan herself, back to uh, I'd have to check to see who scored the goal. I can't remember off the top of my head, um, but. She put it to the back of the net, but I think the referee alliance person had already judged it to cross the line in the first instance anyway. So officially probably an OG from Bonnie McKernan. The second one, a, a, an awful mix-up between centre-half and goalkeeper. Centre-half took a look, uh, turned around, put it back to the goalkeeper where she thought she was, but actually McKernan had moved a little bit and uh, unfortunately for Keela, uh, Scanlon, the ball ended up comfortably in the back of the net. It was just but one of those... Is it a bit of a shade of, um, of, of Ukraine? Yeah, yeah, exactly. From, from on you. Yeah, it was just it was just one of those things that happens, and everybody just kind of holds their head in their hands and goes, "How did that happen?" And you can't really blame either player, but it's just one of those things that you just should. Yeah. Sligo had more than one penalty. Um, I only watched half the game. I'll be honest. Um, so I don't know is a short answer to that. But... So because I know that a lot a lot of penalty shouts during shouts during the game, and it was it just happened to be the very last play of the game that Casey Howe yeah, converts the penalty, but like. I, mean, I do think I do think Bohemians were worth the win if that's any consolation. I think Bohemians were the better side. I have um, to ask, what do you think of the Dublin Bulls jersey? I like it. I, it's, I like it's, it. It's, it's funky. It's a bit. It's one of them that it's it's different. It, it's it's mad different the way the way it is. But it's it's one that I actually I do like it. But it's it took a bit of getting used to. Listen, if if that's what it takes to engage sponsors and and promote sponsors participation in clubs i'm all for it i would rather have that dublin bus jersey than have a massive dublin bus labeled all over everything you know um, i think it's more of a talking point uh, it's either it's like marmite you either love it or hate it and if you love it you'll probably buy it and i think that's probably where bows have headed in the last few years with yeah. the bob marley jersey and the refugees welcome jersey and i'm all for it i think if there's yeah. if there's ways that clubs in and without intruding into people's lives or people's everyday kind of flashing sponsors every time you go to the website or the social media, if you can engage a sponsorship like that, I'm all for it. Think outside the box and grow those corporate and commercial opportunities without being overtly. And, and it is overtly, but it's not overtly, if that makes sense. It's in your face, but it's not smashing your head against a brick saying, look at us, we're Dublin bus. And I, I do like that. Even the bus stop in Daily Mount, I think. <laughs> the bus, the bus stop, the little portable bus that brings the match ball on. Um, it's it's all simple, gimmicky. Yeah, gimmicky, yeah, but gimmicky done well, if that makes sense. Ah, oh, 100%, 100%. It's good, it's good, mar it's good marketing. 
Yeah, I'm all for that. I, I think it's great. I think, I think where you can find the right fit between a sponsor and a and a partner and the club, and you can engage it in in ways that get you talk. Like I'm sure you go to a Bulls game uh, with a certain age group, which is a target market of both leagues, men's and women's, of that like seven to fourteen year old, where the magic of it really is still a thing, and you haven't been beaten down by life yet at that stage and everything's kind of magical you can picture yourself doing this one day whether you can kick snow off a rope or not and they go home and i guarantee you there's eight and nine and ten year old girls leaving games and boys uh, talking about the way the little bus brought it out onto the into the middle of the field or talking about the bus stop or getting a photo taken with the with one, one or other of those and it does engage the fan it, it it activates that sponsorship in a way that no amount of money and placement is going to give you Outside of that, if that makes sense, I'm all for it. 100%. I agree. Um, let's move on to Group D quickly before we get tied down talking about bus timetables. Uh, Strikers, big win for them. Uh, they had a 3 2 victory over Treaty. Uh, Treaty would be happy enough with that performance, I'd imagine. Uh, and, yeah, absolutely. But for me, they're probably the biggest, the biggest unexpected win of the weekend. I think Galway's win was impressive, but I wouldn't have said it unexpected. Uh, Cork beating DLR for me is a big win for Cork. Um, I haven't looked too much into it in terms of uh, how it went down in terms of team selections, but I think uh, whether it's the strongest team or a change team for Cork, I think the fact that they've got a win speaks volumes for where they are at the moment and, and maybe signs of progress. Is that fair to say green shoots? So I'll talk 3D first and then, then I'll, go on to, I'll go on to Cork. So from a 3D point, viewpoint, obviously being 3 0 down, it was Cara Griffin got two, two late goals from him and the fact that you pull it back to 3 2, it's a long travel going up going up, up north from, from, from Limerick. So never going to be easy for them. But a lot of takeaways for the fact that they didn't just wilt and they, they actually pushed till the very end. But in terms of the Cork viewpoint, yeah, you're probably right. It was one of them, but it was a little bit unexpected for my ice creams and all over the kids. Although, Breffney, come on, we have to, before we talk about the football, we have to talk about what happened off the pitch. That child was phenomenal. <laughs> Just the turn of pace, the turn of pace, and she held control of that flag like you wouldn't believe. Um, you love viral moments in the league. That's got to be one of them. Like, oh, like it's so absolutely. innocent. So innocent. And, uh, like, it just, before even the final whistle was blown, it was just one of those things where I saw the original tweet of, oh, a kid's running away with the corner flag, and I thought, oh, great. But then they actually showed the video, and I was like, that's classic. It was just, I just thought it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But in terms of on the pitch, Cork 2 0 up at half time, DLR scoring the second half to pull one back. Uh, you're right. It could, be, it could be a bit of a changing moment for Cork. This competition, we probably said, was there was the bit of the opportunity that they probably needed just to break the monotony of the, league, of the league cycle and things like that. And if they can get a win against Treaty this weekend, it really sets them up going into that last game. Last game against Crusaders, but I think they are away to Crusaders. And then from a Crusaders viewpoint, they go to Dublin. DLR, well, DLR want to bounce back, uh, back at home. Can they bounce back at home potentially? And if, if DLR can bounce back at home, it sort of really puts that. Like for example, even if Treaty, if Treaty get a result against Cork, like the one thing I will say about this group is, I wouldn't be at all shocked if we, if we, when we convene next week, if all three teams in this group are on three points rather than two being on six points, I wouldn't be surprised. And if that's the case, then that really sets that up for for the last day shootout. But it's another group that I think a lot of the teams are quite competitive and they're, they're quite evenly matched as well. And that's the important thing about it. In, like we said about the draw, like the draw could have went any any number of ways. We could have seen 
absolute mayhem. But I think the draw's been quite fair to a lot of teams. The draw's been quite fair to a lot of teams. It's gave a lot of teams winnable games. It's gave them even competition. And I think that's probably going to help even more because if we've seen a lot of one-sided games in this competition, people will cover it, stop and block after a year. And I think that's probably the most important thing is that we don't see many of them this year. Absolutely. Let's take a look at some of the individual performances and Huba on the score sheet over the weekend. Two goals, as you mentioned, for Cara Griffin, the only player to score more than once in the game at the weekend. She'll be happy with her lot despite the or the, the final score being a 3-2 defeat. But some interesting names there. We've seen Chloe Maloney on the on the score sheet in recent weeks. Casey Howe, of course, has been there as well. Um, Jamie Thompson, no stranger to the back of the net in the League of Ireland. Some of the- Correct me if I'm wrong. Zoe McLean, ex-Irish on the 19th international. Um, if only we had a way to find out. Yeah, I believe she is. Uh, I'm just clicking into her profile here quickly. Uh, if it just loads in, she has played for the Republic of Ireland. Um, so yeah, she is. She played underage for, for Ireland in in recent recent seasons. Um, so yeah, you're bang on the money there with that one. Uh, have I got the right page now? I don't think I have. Um, so that's the uh, fixtures for this week. But the statistics, the the scores for the week, uh, only one clean sheet. And the competition last week, as you mentioned at the top of the show, Abigail Ronin, uh, Galway, former goalkeeper, uh, kept a clean sheet in her side's victory against Linfield. So she'll be happy enough with that as well. Uh, but plenty of goals spread across a whole range of, of, uh, of players as well. Um, right down, so many down there, right down to Hazel Donegan, who's the last on our list, of course, in no particular order uh, in that particular set of scorers. So it's... Uh, been an interesting couple of weeks for, for teams in that competition. Two OGs as well, of course. In fact, there might have been three or four OGs last weekend. I think there was a few in other, other games as well. So plenty of opportunities there for uh, for defenders to get their name on the score sheet, albeit not in the way they like. Fixtures this weekend, uh, again, we use this off our website, folks, so you can get all these match details, individual player profiles and everything on finalwhistle.ie. Just click on the soccer section of the site. Um, Shells versus Linfield, Pima Joyner versus Glentorn. Science Swifts versus Sligo Rovers. Plenty of overlap between those squads in recent years. They're geographically not that far apart. Uh, DLO Waves and Crusaders. That's at 4 o'clock in the UCD Bowl. Where Goal United meet Athlone in that game. We talked about a crunch game for Athlone after their defeat last week. Uh, defeat would put them effectively out of the competition on Saturday evening. Treaty United entertain Cork in a must-win for, for both teams, really. Um, Wexford host Shamrock Rovers. While Cliftonville uh, take the journey to Dillingham Park, they'll play Bohemians this weekend. Any of those on your uh, list? What are you hoping to get to? Yeah, I'm hoping to get to Shells, Linfield and Bowes and Cliftonville as well. Obviously, with the fact that Jesse Staples was his last game for Shells, I want to get to Talca Park. I want to get to Talca Park. And then the game, like if I was the only pick one, I'd probably, I'd love Cliftonville and Bowes is, is probably one that stands out to me just for the fact that team up top up north against the side who are fourth in the national in the Premier Division just to see how how it sort of pans out. But yeah, we'll get to get to two. P Man playing P Man playing early is a bit of a surprise. They're not normally known for playing very early, but it's it's, it's probably to accommodate accommodate Glentoran as well, travelling down. Like it's it's good to see that there's a, a bit of flexibility in these sort of these sort of competitions as well. And like I think we'll have another ramp uh, action packed weekend. I'm gonna put you on the spot and ask you the question here though, Refney. 26 goals in eight games. Did we beat it this weekend? Uh, who knows? Uh, what's that average of three a game? Just over three a game. Um, four a game, sorry. I'm the maths is off. Uh, no, I was right. Three a game. I'm, I'm going nuts. Um, I don't know the short answer. I think as teams become more uh, aware of where the opposition are, I think that will lower itself. So I'm going to say we won't have as many goals I think the teams that are at certain levels are playing against each other, 
but should see less of, say, the 4-1 example or the 3-2 example from last week. I don't think we'll see four or five goal games. I think the fact that um, Sligo Rovers, who were on the receiving end of one of those last week, play Science Swifts, who are more or less around the same level as themselves, wouldn't be quite title challengers. Um, Treaty and Cork playing each other at the same level, more or less, in the league this year and in recent seasons. Galway and Athlone the same. I think we'll have uh, tighter games across the board. I'd be surprised if we're over 23 or 24. Um, I fancy one or two nil all draws this week. Oh, really? You think there's going to be yeah. scoreless? Okay, we'll, we'll see. Plenty of, plenty of time to see how those pan out over the course of the next week or so. Before we go, of course, we have talked with Tommy um, leaving the, the Athlone Town hot seat last night. Uh, another big news in the league this week, fresh from a new manager, or at least they were replacing, replacing Stephen Quinn down in, in Wexford Park, is a, a new name for the club. They've decided that Wexford Youths will be no more it's going to be Wexford FC all the way, both on the men's and women's side of the of the house. It kind of brings the whole thing together in the same way as we've seen maybe Galway, WFC, become Galway United, um, and it'll be one unified brand down in Wexford. Does it matter, or is it even important? They're talking about having more supports available for the women once they come under that under that umbrella. But like they, they were together a couple of years ago until Wexford Youth had to rename to Wexford FC. So I was surprised it didn't happen back then. But it was the, it was the women's section's decision not to happen back then. So it is good. It's it's another step in the right direction. The branding and like with the branding and stuff like that. So every, it's it's positive. Everything's been really positive. Thankfully, last weekend I don't want to jinx it, but. We didn't have any LOI TV really mishaps last week, and it's it was a good week. I I'd assume that all the games that are based down here again will be streamed on LOI TV this week. Just hasn't been confirmed just yet, but that's what I would suspect as well. But now looking forward to this weekend. Looking forward to this evening. Lots of build up. Lots of lots of busy times ahead. Women's football is thriving. Everybody's talking about it for the right reasons this time, which is the most important thing. Zambia, it's nice. Uh, put your head in the block. Should we win the game, and if so, by how much? Yeah, I'd say we'll hopefully win two or three now. And finally, uh, Tommy's left at loan. Uh, the King is dead along with the King. Who's the likely successor down there? Can you think of any names that you might be in the hunt for this? I don't know. That's the thing. It's 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 because of the location as well. It's 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 a bit of a strange. It's a bit of a strange one. Like, will they dip back into men's football? The, the thing is, Athlone is also a bit of a weird club in the sense that decisions they make, even on the men's side, sometimes surprise us. So. You wouldn't be surprised at all who they who they decide to bring in as manager. Yeah, absolutely. Anything is possible in uh, in the world of Athlone Town FC. Uh, another week over, another show done. Thank you so much, Aaron. A bit of a short one this week, but that's because you're under pressure to get to Tala for that game tonight. Uh, hope you enjoy the game. I'm unfortunately not able to make it myself this evening. It's a, a long trek up the road from Leitrim, but uh, uh, it has been done before and will be done again. But it's not been done tonight. Thanks very much for joining me. Enjoy the game and best of luck at the Tala. Cheers, Patrick.